Hey guys, thanks for joining us today. One of the things that energizes our teams the most is being able to hear stories of lives that are impacted by this ministry. We would love for you to share your story with us by emailing it to stories at newcommunity.co or maybe your next step to getting connected to what God is doing in this ministry is partnering with us financially. You can do that online at www.newcommunity.co or through the PushPay app and find the giving option that works best for you. Thanks so much for tuning in and enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, church. How are you guys doing this morning? It's good to see each and every one of you here. And if you're our guest, once again, we just want to welcome you. Um, if you're watching online for the first time, thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Aaron, and I am the lead pastor here at NCC. And um, as you heard me mention a moment ago, we're a church that's passionate about seeing people and places made new. And what you've just seen is a quick snapshot of this past year, what God has done um, ever since last year. We've been in this campaign called Made for More. And we started last September with this idea that God wanted to do more in our life, more in us as individuals. He wanted to grow us spiritually and see God accomplish more inside of us, but also together as a church, God's expanded our vision and he's been encouraging us to continue to reach out and make an impact in the community around us. And so that's what the focus of this past year has been ever since last September is that we are made for more. In these next three weeks, as this campaign has come to a close and as we're ending it out, this year focus of being made for more, we're going to talk about moving forward and what God wants for us as a church, where we're continuing to go, and what God wants to do inside of us as individuals, and once again, corporately as we move forward. And so if you've been here, uh, even over the past few weeks, you may have walked in today and noticed things were a little bit different, or maybe you didn't notice there are no longer banners hanging um, on the sidewalls here. So that may be a little bit different. You may have not noticed, but the symbols on the front door no longer say made for more. They're the NCC logos on the glass doors when you walked in. And there's a few more declarations. We're going to talk about that. But God has been challenging us this past year um, with this idea. And we want to look at where God is continuing to lead us, what God is doing inside of us as a church. And so when we started last September, and let me just ask this. How many of you guys were with us last year when we started? You were here at NCC how many of you guys have just joined us this past year while we've been in this Made for More campaign? Okay, a few of you guys, you've joined with us. And, and we're excited because of what God is doing in our church and what we're seeing happen inside of us as God continues to grow us as a church and what's taking place. And so last year when we started this, if you guys were here, you may remember, we had four kind of symbols up here um, in front of our church. And we were talking about God, we don't want to become a, become a church where people, where we as individuals, we come in here and we sit and we hear a message and we go out and we're not actually changed. Where we get stuck in our relationship with God, where we've been doing the church thing for year after year and we're just kind of stuck in the same place and we don't know where we're supposed to be going. We don't want to be that kind of church. We don't want to be the kind of church where people just kind of passively engage, where Maybe you come, you know, like once every six week and weeks and you're like, this is my church, but you're not really giving or serving or supporting the vision that God has for us. And so we set out this past year saying, God, we want more. We want you to do more in our life. And as we started that, we made four declarations. We've had them with us throughout this entire year. We've said them at different times. Okay, I did this in first service and I embarrassed myself, but let's just see. How many of you guys, you know those four declarations? I'm not going to make you stand up and say them. Okay, 
Come on, you guys. You can do better than this. Okay, so we've said these a lot. You guys may remember them. Scripture shapes our life. My growth is my responsibility. We've talked about how I'm going to change the world, and it starts here, and we can't stay here. Those are the four declarations. We've said them. We've taught about them. We've preached about them and incorporated them into these messages because we believe, God, that's where you're directing us, and that's where you're leading us as a church. And as we were praying about this campaign and we were coming to this point in September, we started to pray and we said, God, this campaign is, you know, it's coming to an end this year focus um, of being made for more. But we felt like what God had spoken to us, those four declarations, that they're staying with us as a church. So I want you to hear that. I, I don't believe that there will ever be a point where we're saying, hey, we don't need to actively engage with scripture and where we don't want to keep that in front of us. And so we said, hey, that's a declaration. We will never be a church, and we're going to talk about this over the next few weeks, that does not look to really impact our community and to make a change in the world. This is who God has made us. And so we've said these four declarations, they're really shaping into the culture and who we are as a church. We're not leaving them behind, even as this campaign ends. And as we've looked at this, we've said, hey, we feel like there's a few other things that God is speaking to us and that God has done over this past year. And so we're going to go through these declarations. <clears throat> For those of you that could not say them a moment ago, this is your chance to redeem yourself, okay? They're up here, and we're just going to say them together. I'm going to quickly explain this, and then we're going to focus on one of these today. But the first, say this with me, okay? Scripture shapes our lives. Okay, that's a declaration that we've made, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that because we're going to look at that one today. The next one, the second one, we own our spiritual growth. And let me just pause there for a moment. What we've said is we are going to be a church that realizes we have to take ownership of our growth with God. That our next steps, and many of you guys have done this this year, we have that booklet that identifies where are we at. Are we just starting off? Are we mature in our faith with Christ? Where are we at? And then wherever we're at, that's not where we're going to stay, you guys. The point where you're at right now, I do not want you to be that same Christian a year from now. I don't want us to be the same church that we are right now a year from now. We want to take those next steps and grow in our relationship with God. So many of you, you took that card and you identified two or three things that over this year you're working on, you're growing in, whether it's prayer, whether it's reflection, whether it's journaling, whatever it is, serving those in need. God, I'm doing these things because I want to continue to grow. We're owning our spiritual growth. Number three, we change the world. It's what we do, you guys. And we've heard story after story, and we're gonna celebrate some of those over the next few weeks of how God has used you to go into the homeless ministry in Dallas, serve with our calling, to serve in elementary schools right here in Mesquite, to get out in your community and just minister to people, whether it's in your personal life, paying for someone's groceries, paying for someone's gas, or just sharing your faith with someone. God has done this in our church, and we want to continue to see it happen um, even as we move forward. The fourth one right here, say this with me. We invest in the next generation. It's what we do, church. And so God has shown us that this next year. We want to do something better for our kids and students. We want to leave a legacy for those that are coming after us. And this is shaping who we are as a church. We're always going to look for that way to pour into our kids, to pour into our students, to do something amazing for those that are coming after us. Okay, the fifth one. Let's say this together. Joy is seen in who we are. And we want this as a church. We don't want celebration to just be on a Sunday morning when we're in a room like this. You guys, I want you to go into your workplace. Students, I want you in the schools. 
for other people to come up to you and say, man, there's something different about you. You've got problems just like every, but you're not full of anxiety. You're not stressed out. You're not always worried. You're not always, there seems to be a joy in your life that I can't explain and that I don't have, but I want to know more about it. See, those are the kinds of people that we want to be, that God's presence is with us. His joy is with us wherever we are at. And so we want this to be apparent in our life to other people around us. Okay, number six, let's say this. We live life together. And so that's why we do things like what we're about to do today, where we're telling you, don't rush out the doors and just head to your car. But when you get outside, grab some popcorn, share a conversation with someone. Last week we did that. We're doing that next week with Fallapalooza. We want to spend time together. This is why groups are so vital. Church, you were not meant to live your Christian life alone. And if you're trying to do this by yourself, it's going to be so hard. You need other people in your life to encourage you and to support you in this. So that's why we have that sixth one. And then the seventh one, let's say this together. We move forward. It's what we do as a church. So we're never going to settle in, you guys. We're never going to get to a place where we're comfortable and where we can just kind of kick back and relax. We always want to be asking God, what do you want us to do to reach more people? How do we engage more families? How do we help more individuals come and know who you are and experience the life-changing power of Christ? We're going to be a church that gives and serves and supports the vision that God has called us to. And so these are our declarations. This is what we're looking at as we move forward. And this morning, as I was looking at these, I was going to try to squeeze a few of these into this message because I've only got three weeks and I've got seven declarations. And I thought, how am I going to get through all of these? But I just couldn't shake this idea that one of these are foundational. One of these are the foundation that all of these other things are built on. One of these is the springboard to, I believe, your spiritual walk with Christ and you growing in your relationship with Christ. And it's that first one right there. Scripture shapes our lives. And that's what we've been doing, church, for the past year. And in case you joined us halfway through, let me take you um, on a little trip down memory lane and explain why we've been doing what we've been doing. We started last September and we said, man, we have got to know God's word better. We've got to engage with scripture better. It's going to change our lives. We want it to shape us. That's this declaration right here. We've got to do more as it comes to understanding. And so we've spent the past year walking through the Bible, starting on the first few pages in the book of Genesis through Deuteronomy, we kicked off this series last September, Who Are You? Some of you guys may remember this. We talked about the lives of Adam and Eve and other individuals, Moses and other people in these first five books. And we said, God, what kind of characteristics are you producing in their life? Who were they, God? And then who are you calling us to be? Who are you, church? What is it that God's doing in your life? We looked at the stories that God was telling about these individuals and looked at what it means to us. And then after that, in November and December, we stepped into this series called Step Out. And we looked at the books of Joshua through Esther and these amazing people of faith who God was calling to chase their dreams, to pursue their God-given vision and what Christ was calling them to face giants in their life and do amazing things. And they had to step out in faith. And God is calling us to those same, same things, to step out in our faith and see what God can accomplish through us. And then early spring, we went into this series called Soundtracks. We spent a number of weeks talking about the music in the Bible. Maybe you didn't know that there was music in the Bible, but there is, and there's all of this poetic language and these amazing lyrics in these songs 
that are found in God's word that talk to us about how we practically live out our faith, how we engage in relationships with others. And so these books of the Bible talk to us about that. And then we move to the prophets, walk this way. Once again, these amazing, amazing prophetic voices that were living out their faith in an extreme way and being an example of who God was to the world around them. And then in spring, we went into the good news. We talked about how all around us, the world is constantly bombarding us with bad news. And yet the gospel, the fact that Christ has come to save us is good news. And then the series called Acts, we spent a number of weeks and it was a powerful time. You guys may remember this at the end of every service, we just came around the altars and we didn't have a formal dismissal. We didn't have a time where we said, Hey, go ahead and head out. But we just took some time and we said, God, we want to be full of your spirit. God, this week, we want to walk in the power of your spirit, just like the early church did. And we want to see your spirit working through us. And so we just prayed prayers every week. God, fill us full of your power. Fill us full of your spirit. God, let us walk in the power of your spirit. And then in this series, To Whom It May Concern, um, where we talked about the letters in the Bible, these powerful letters to churches and to individuals speaking about, once again, their marriages, their finances, how they're living out their faith and what God was speaking. And then we just ended with the end is near, this book on Revelation, the last book in the Bible. Church, we've been doing this because we've said we've got to engage with God's word. We've got to get a picture of what God is saying to us. And I want to tell you, it's been effective this past year. I have had more conversations with so many of you about what God's word is saying, about questions that you have about scriptures, about what you're reading in the Bible, about what we're talking about on Sunday morning than I've had over the past 10 years in ministry. Because as we've engaged with scripture, God's speaking to us and he's challenging us in new ways. That's why we've done this church. Scripture is the number one catalyst for your spiritual growth. And so if you're sitting here this morning and you're honest and you're saying, hey, I want to get closer to Christ, this is the way that you do it. This is the number one way that you do that is opening up God's word, allowing him to speak to you. As I said, it's the foundation for everything else that God is speaking to us through his word. And so we're going to look at this this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 34, and we're going to start reading at verse 18. It's on page 219 of the Bible there in front of you. And so if you didn't bring a Bible, that's okay. You can reach in the seat in front of you and turn to page 219. Or if you don't want to do that, just take out your smartphone and Google that. And that passage will come up. And you can follow along with us because I want you to see what God's word is saying and what it's challenging us with as we look at scripture shaping our life. And so once you have that, hold on to that for just a moment, 2 Chronicles 34, 18. And what's happening in this book, in case you're unfamiliar with these books, First and 2 Chronicles, it's telling the story of the kings of Israel. This is before the time of Christ. And God had appointed these kings to lead the people of God. And just like you have right now, you have great politicians, you have horrible politicians, right? And there were great kings, and then there were horrible kings. And what's taking place is many of these kings, as they were supposed to be leading the people of God closer to God, they're pulling them away. And they're building these temples to all of these false gods. We talked a little bit about that over the past few weeks. Gods like Molech and Chemosh and Baal, some of those that you may have read in the Bible. These false gods, and they're building statues to these gods and telling the people, hey, God is dead. He's forgotten about us. Come worship these new gods. And they're leading the people into this false kind of worship. And then there's this young boy named Josiah, eight years old, who becomes king of Israel. 
And something's different about his heart. Something's different about his life. God has called him for this moment. And as Josiah grows up, even at eight, year, eight years old, he begins to do things to turn the people's heart. He begins to tear down these temples and these statues and turn the people's heart back towards God. And at the age of 16, Josiah begins to rebuild the temple so that people aren't going to these false gods and worshiping, that they're coming to the temple of God. And so in this passage, we're seeing this. Josiah is rebuilding the temple and trying to restore it as a place of worship to God. And that's where we pick up this story in 2 Chronicles 34, 18. And this is what it says. Then Shaphan, the secretary, told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read from it before the king. And then when the king heard the words of the law, he tore his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah, Achim the son of Shaphan, Abdon the son of Micah, Shaphan the secretary, and Isaiah the king's servant, saying, Go and inquire of the Lord for me. And for those who are left in Israel and in Judah concerning the words of the book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out on us because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do according to all that is written in this book. So what's taking place here? You've got this young king, just about 16 years old. He started being a king when he was eight, but now eight years have passed. He's restoring the temple. He's restoring the house of God. And all of a sudden, this book is found. They don't even know what it is. They don't know to call it the Bible. Okay, they don't even, they're just like, hey, king, we found this scroll way back in this back room and there was all of these cobwebs and this dust on this. And so we found this thing. It looks pretty important, like at one point. And so they bring it out and they start reading it to the king. And all of a sudden, when Josiah hears this, when he starts to be read, he's, no one's probably read this in, in probably hundreds of years because of the ways that the kings were going. They had not read the book of the law in a long time. Josiah hears this for the first time, the word of God. He opens up God's word for the first time and they begin to read it to him and tears begin to form in his eyes. He begins to weep because he realizes, God, we have not been following what you've spoken to us. See, these are God's word where he tells them, do not make unto yourself any images. Don't create any other statues and worship before them. Don't worship any other God. All of these things that the word of God says, the words of Moses when he's standing before the people and they're getting ready to enter into this land that God's given them and Moses tells them, you've got to choose today. You've got to decide today because you're going to go into this land and you can do things your own way and you can forget about God's word and you're going to be attacked by other armies, you're going to be cursed, or you can choose to follow after the words of God. You can listen to what it is that he's saying, and you can experience God's blessing. And Josiah knows in this moment, God, we have not listened to you. And God, that's why other kings have attacked us. That's why we've been oppressed. That's why we've been carried off into slavery and brought back. God, that's why this city is, is destroyed. God, this is what's going on, Lord. God, we've not listened to what it is that you're saying in Josiah's heart is broken. And he realizes, God, we've not allowed our lives to be shaped by scripture. And you can be like me. I read this passage this week and I read it a few times and I was trying to think about it and I thought, well, he's the king, right? So this is something that's easy. It's the king. The king stands up in front of everyone and he just makes this decree. Hey, everyone's gonna serve God now. Don't Stop serving all of these other gods. We're gonna follow the word of the Lord, but that's not how it goes. 
See, church, whenever you choose to allow scripture to shape your life, it's never easy. And you have to realize what's going on here in the kingdom. People made their livelihood by this. I mean, people are creating these small statues and they're selling it. And so now that's their income. This is going to affect the national economy for them to follow the word of God. You start tearing down these temples and that's where priests live. There's this whole group of people that live in these temples, allowing people to sacrifice to these false gods. This is their livelihood and their income. It's not an easy thing for Josiah to stand up and say, hey, stop doing that. And now we're going to follow the word of God. We're going to follow the book of the law. We're going to follow what God has said. It's not an easy thing. This is a cultural thing now. See, this isn't just me that I'm worshiping this God. This is my father did it this way, and my grandfather did it this way, and my great-grandfather did it this way, and always at this time of the year, we do this. We have this festival. We have this celebration. We eat this food to worship this God. It's now a cultural thing, and you're telling me not to do that anymore? See, church, whenever you stand up and you start putting the word of God in your life and you allow it to shape you, you're going to face opposition, and it's going to be hard. There are going to be family members that are close to you that you thought you had a good relationship, and they're going to say, why are you doing that church thing? Why are you trying to, why are you living like that now? Why are you doing that? Because it's something that's counter-cultural. It's not what they're used to, and this is what Josiah is facing. But his heart is broken, and he's saying, God, I have got to listen to your word, Lord. I've got to do what you said. And so his heart is broken, and he knows, God, we've ignored you, and now we're facing the consequences. But that's not the kind of king that I want to be. And so Josiah decides, I'm going to allow Scripture to shape my life. I'm going to listen to the word of God and I'm going to follow what it says. And church, whenever you do this, there's two things that I see in Josiah's life that I want to share with you this morning. And the first is this, whenever you decide that I want scripture to shape my life, you have to actively listen. If you're taking notes, write that down. You have to actively listen. What do I mean by this? All the ladies in the room know. There's that moment when you're talking to your husband and he's shaking his head, but he's not hearing you, right? You guys know that, do the dishes, and he's like, yeah, but he's just sitting on the couch, okay? Right? Or, or that person, right? You think that they're engaged, and then they look up. You guys, I'm horrible about this. I'll do this with the staff sometimes, and I'll just be honest. I've not heard the past four minutes of what you said. I know I've been shaking my head. I know I've been saying yes. Could you repeat all of that? See, there's a difference between us hearing and actively listening, And you can come in here week after week. You can hear 52 messages in a year and you can never be changed because you've heard God's word, but you've not been actively listening. Like Josiah was. What happens when God's word is read? He's not just sitting there. He begins to weep, right? Because he's taking in what is being said. God, you promised this. You told us about this hundreds and hundreds of years ago when you said if we got into the promised land and we forgot you, we would face the consequences of our sin. And God, that's where we're at. That's why he's weeping. His heart is broken. He does not want his people to experience this. And he sees the reality of it in God's word. He's listening. His heart is is attuned to what it is that God is saying, and it's engaging. It's beginning to shape the way that he thinks about his nation, the way that they should live, what they should do. Church, whenever you stop just hearing and you begin to listen to God's word, it begins to change your mindset. It begins to change your heart. It begins to shape who you are when you listen to the word of God. That's what God is talking about here. That's what we're being challenged to do. And I want to give you two ways 
to do that, okay? I wanna give you two ways that we actively listen. This is for the person that you're just starting out and you're new to engaging with the Bible and you don't really know where to start or where to read at. And these two things are for people that have been serving God for 20, for 30, or for 40 years or anywhere in between. This is one of the ways that we can actively engage with God's word. It's this right here, we reflect. We reflect on scripture. If you're stuck, this is a great thing to do in your relationship with God, reflect on scripture. Let me show you how we do this. I just picked a verse out of the Bible, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Um, if you have your Bibles open, you can turn there. If not, you can just listen to me read it. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says this, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. That's just one verse from the Bible. But when I reflect on that, I start reading that verse over and over again. I don't go to the next verse. I don't look at the whole chapter. I just zero in on this one verse. God, what is it that you're saying in this moment, in this verse? God, what is it that you're speaking to me? And what does he say there? You've got to hold fast. The writer of Hebrews is telling his audience that be secure, be fastened to it, be um, connected with Christ. That's what he's saying there. Hold fast. Imagine that. Picture something that's secure, that's locked in. That's what he wants you to get in your mind. And he's asking, is that what your life is like? Does that describe who you are? Are you holding fast in your relationship with God? Is that what you're doing? Because that's what he's asking you to do. And so I just start to reflect on that. God, is that what my life looks like? God, am I secure in you? Lord, am I connected? Am I locked in with you, God? Or are other things trying to pull me away, God? Because that's not what I want my life to be like. I start to reflect on that. And then what does he say? What are we holding fast to? It's our confession of hope. He's talking about speaking it out loud. Students, before you've walked in the door of your elementary school or middle school or high school, have you confessed God's word that day? Have you spoken God's word over your life? What it is that he, are you holding fast to that confession of hope? What it is that God says about you? Adults, when you're walking into your workplace, when you're going into your home, when you're going into the, are you confessing that confession of hope that you say? Have you said it out loud or are you just thinking it in your head? Because there's something powerful when you verbalize it. And so I just start to think that about my life. God, am I saying that? Am I doing that? God, am I speaking these things out? What you've said over me, that I'm your son, Lord, that you've adopted me into your family, Lord, that you call me your own. God, am I confessing these things, that you've forgiven me of my sins, Lord? And God, you don't hold my past against me anymore. My confession of hope, God, am I locked into that? Without wavering. Why? Because he who promised is faithful. Church, the first time I reflected on this verse, I just broke down bawling like a baby because I realized in that moment, the promise doesn't depend on me. Church, if it depended on me, we'd be in some serious trouble because my life is broken, because I make mistakes, I continue to fall, I continue to stumble, but the promise does not depend on me. It's the one who promised, it's God himself, and he is faithful in every area of my life. So I just start to reflect on that. God, it doesn't matter, Lord, I'm broken in so many different ways, but it's not just dependent on me, God. You're the one that promised, God. You're the one that's faithful, Lord. Remind me of that today, God. Let me hold fast to that confession of hope, God. Yourself your work in my life. Why? Because God, you're faithful. You're the one who never fails me. God, you show up every single time in my life. God, you never disappoint me. You never let me down, Lord. No matter what I face today, God, you're faithful. You're faithful, Lord. 
Church, there's something that happens when you begin to reflect on Scripture like this, where you just take that verse and over and over again, and instead of pulling out your phone and getting on Instagram when you're standing in that line, you just remember that verse. What was it that I read today? Okay, I want to take a few moments. I want to reflect on that. Whenever you're laying down at night before you turn on the television or whatever you do to get ready to go to bed, you reflect on it. God, you're faithful, Lord. So I'm going to confess that confession of hope. God, I'm going to lock in on that, Lord. I'm going to keep, see, that's reflecting. You begin to reflect on scripture. You begin to say it over and over. You put it in your mind. You meditate it. You think about it. And it begins to shape your life, church. You begin to actively listen and it begins to determine and shape who you are. Then there's something else that you can do. I mean, that's one way. And then you can consume God's word. This is when you go to McDonald's and you order two Big Macs, okay? And the large fry and the large drink and the apple pie because you just want a lot of it. And there are times when we engage in God's word and we're not zeroing down on one verse, but we're just taking in a lot. And so there's times where I'll look and I'll say, okay, I'm gonna try to read this book of the Bible. Let me tell you, if you do that, don't start with Psalms. Okay, 150 chapters, longest book in the Bible. Do not start there. Pick one of the smaller ones and just read that whole book and say, God, what are you saying in this book? And I'm not looking for one verse. I'm not just trying to meditate on one thought, but I'm getting this big picture. God, what is it that you're saying to the church in Galatian or in Galatia where you tell them, hey, it's not about the law. Christ came and he fulfilled the law. It's grace. It's God's grace over your life. When you're facing sin, it's God's grace over your life. When you think it's your own righteousness, it's not. It's God's grace over your life. So I'm looking at this big picture. I'm just taking in a larger amount of God's word and looking at the big picture. God, what were you saying to that original audience? God, what are you trying to say to me? And I'm looking at a bigger picture. Why? Because I'm consuming God's word. I'm taking in more of it. And there's times where we do both of these. There's other Bible study practices that you could do. Those things can change. Don't just lock into one. Switch it up. Do times where you read more of God's word. Do times where you focus in on more. But the thing that cannot change, the thing that has to be a constant in your life, is opening up the scripture and allowing it to shape your life, listening to what it is that God says. Church, you've got to be doing that every single day. It's the number one catalyst to growth in your life. It's God speaking to you. It's his letter. And we need to be a church that's allowing scripture to shape our life. The other thing that I see Josiah do is this right here. You have to actively obey. After he not only hears, he, he's engaging with it. Tears are filling his eyes. He says, you know what? I've got to do something about this. And you start to read. You read 2 Chronicles chapter 34 and 35. I'm not going to read through that passage. But you see Josiah for the first time in generations reinstitutes the Passover. This celebration where the people of God remember that God delivered them out of slavery. He begins to restore the temple to its fullness. He begins to break down all of the altars. He completes that, and he invites people back into the temple of God to worship. Why? Because what he read sparks obedience inside of his life. He's not just going to hear it. He's going to do something with it. In church, you and I were called not just to hear God's word. James tells us that. Don't just be hearers of God's word, but be doers. Be doers of God's word. Live it out. Actively obey what it is that God is speaking to you, what, what it is that God is challenging you. And church, I'm passionate about this idea. How different would our relationships be if we entered into those relationships, those friendships, and we said, I'm not here for me. I'm here to serve other people because that's what Christ did. 
How different would your workplace be if every morning you went in saying, hey, it's not about me gaining position. It's not about me being in a title. It's about me serving others. What can I do today, God, to serve others? Students, how different would your school look if you remembered every day you are the light of the world? God has placed you in that classroom. You're not there by accident. You are there in that classroom surrounded by other people who are hurting and who are broken. Students, you're there on purpose to be the light of Christ to people that may not know him. See, you start to actively obey and live out the love of Christ. Be that example to other people around you, allowing scripture to shape your life. Our world is going to look different, church. I believe that. Our relationships are going to look different when we take God's word and we apply it to our life and say, God, shape my life with your word. Church, we've got to be a church that's actively listening and actively obeying to what it is that God is speaking to us.